Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to the Simply Vegan podcast with me, Holly Johnson, and my co-host, Gabriella Clark. Each week, we discuss the latest vegan news, taste test new products, and chat to some of the leading names in veganism. This week's episode of the Simply Vegan podcast is brought to you by Elpro My Cuppa, the first plant-based product that performs like semi-skimmed in tea. Alpro My Cuppa is low in sugars and made with sustainable soya, so you can enjoy a plant-based cuppa that's good for you and good for the planet too. Alpro My Cuppa is available in the chillers at Sainsbury's, Waitrose and Morrison's. Thank you to Alpro and My Cuppa. Welcome to the last podcast of 2020, a year that a lot of us will be glad to see the back of. <laughs> Indeed, so long 2020. <laughs> oh dear. Um, obviously, it's been a year of a lot of uh, bad news, difficult things we've had to get to grips with, but there are a lot of positives when it comes to veganism that have come out of um, the last year. Uh, searches for vegan products are, are up according to Google and um, vegan products are flying off the shelves so we're really hopeful for you know a really good strong January in 2021. Mm, it definitely feels like amongst all of the the negativity that we've had to battle through in 2020 there's been a real tangible shift a step forward for veganism and vegan food and vegan menus and um, vegan news. So yeah, looking for the positive. Definitely. I think from doing this podcast and speaking to some of the really inspirational, um, you know, people that we've interviewed, I think what's really hit home to me is that factory farming needs to end as soon as possible if we're to avoid another pandemic and of course the suffering of millions of animals so I think 2021 I'm going to get on board with campaigning against that that's my new year's resolution they do go uh, hand in hand so yeah maybe a good a good year to shine the light on why those things really do need to be halted definitely so our last review of the year is going to be and it's very very exciting one because there's one thing that I've really missed is quiche since going vegan. Mm. Um, so we've got from Higgity launching, sorry, some products the 1st of January, some of the 3rd. And they are a spinach and roasted tomato vegan quiche, a porcini mushroom and spinach vegan quiche and mini no pork pies. What did you think, Gabs? Huge fan. <laughs> <laughs> really loved trialing these um like you said it was nice to try something 
different in terms of a vegan offering that is probably something I haven't eaten for a while. Um, we thought both the quiches were really delicious. We had um, a big sized one that we could have for dinner. And then we also had a, a single sized portion, smaller one that was great for a speedy lunch option. The flavors were really rich, really tasty. The pastry base casing was delicious. I was really impressed with these. Um, just real abundance of flavor, great dinner lunch option something you could take to a friend's house just just really impressed actually how about you take to a friend's house when we're actually allowed to go to the house yeah again. I know um, I'm not sure how well that will age <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know you're in tier four right now aren't you so um... I, know. I just want to take a quiche to a friend's house <laughs> that's all I want to do <laughs> one day we can dream of such days I can but dream <laughs> um I was I always loved cold quiche I never liked it heated up I don't know why I think it's just a weird thing that I've always had and my husband cooked them before I could stop him so we had them warm and I wasn't overly keen however the next day when they'd cooled down uh, I really liked them especially the mushroom one I did prefer that one to the um, roasted tomato um ah, we're total opposites because I preferred the roasted tomato and I loved them warm really yeah it's funny isn't it yeah how people can be so different um I they weren't very eggy were they they were more cheesy than than eggy which isn't a bad thing in my eyes yeah definitely uh cheesy tarty like rather than that eggy quiche texture but for me that was great um I think I've mentioned before with things for example that try to be fish imitating having not eaten those flavors for a long time that can put me off so I felt like they really catered for a vegan palate without trying to imitate a food that I no longer really want to eat anyway yeah exactly the pork pies weren't what I expected, actually. I suppose I just thought they were going to be like a um, sort of a faux meat inside. So it's kind mm. of like a nice surprise, actually, because they're stuffed with red pepper, sunblush tomato, carrot and green lentils. Um, so they're kind of healthier, I think, than kind of a processed meat inside. And there wasn't any of the, the horrible jelly. That's I was a bit worried about that because... <laughs> Even when I wasn't vegan, I was never keen on that bit. I mean, what is it? <laughs> I dread to think. I have to say, in all the years I was eating meat, I would never have actively eaten a pork pie. Definitely not something I would have gone for. Um, so was pleased that these weren't like that. But yes, our comment was that the, or feedback, was that the filling was a lot softer Mm -hmm. um whereas pork pies tend to be a bit more solid inside don't they so yeah. um apart from the outer casing the pastry which was exactly the same I think yeah marketing them as a an, a vegan pork pie for me it wasn't exactly the same but again that was was a good thing yeah, I think they're kind of standalone products, aren't they? Rather than definitely, you know, if you if you were sort of flexitarian and you were expecting them to be the equivalent products, um, that's yeah, that's not what you're getting. But they are really good. Um, really mm. enjoying the no pork pies, and yeah, just a bit healthier, I think, aren't they? Because they've got sort of veggies and lentils in. Yeah, and I think again for that convenience element, if you're looking for something on the go or something to sustain you between meals being able to grab one of those um is a really good solution and, and a lot healthier than grabbing something like a pork pie or even some of the the vegan imitation sausage rolls which um tend to be filled with a lot of suspect ingredients anyway I think it's a a great thing to have available yeah so they are available in uh, the spinach and roasted tomato vegan quiche is avail available in Waitrose and Sainsbury's um, from early January. The porcini mushroom and spinach vegan quiche can be found in Boots. That's the smaller size, 155 grams, that one. And the no pork pies can be found in Waitrose and Sainsbury's. So 
there you go. Excellent. Um, and the other thing we taste tested this month were Aldi's pigs in duvets, mm. which obviously are great for Christmas. So what did you think about those? I was probably less keen on these out of everything that we've tasted. Um, we've obviously done a couple of pigs in blankets, pigs in duvets, no pigs in blankets testing. Um, and they were probably my least favourite, I think. Um, yeah, just wasn't as much of a fan of the a sausage element of them definitely feel like there are maybe better alternatives out there how about you yeah sorry Aldi um yeah so the duvet is pastry in case anyone's yeah. wondering what a duvet is. <laughs> so yeah pigs in blankets I think the ones we tested were in sort of a faux bacon weren't they um and these are in mm. pastry so they're kind of like a little mini sausage roll though the sausage isn't covered um I really liked them with like a bit of mustard on or chili jam. I felt like they lacked a little bit of flavor. So they were better when I put a condiment with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think for a budget option, great. But but yeah, they didn't have an awful lot of flavor for me. Mm, I think it's definitely something you would buy to go more with a buffet than with your Christmas dinner. Yeah. Um, I have to say that even with the the sausages that I've liked in the pigs in blankets the bacon element has has let them down so I didn't miss that this one didn't have it I think the the pastry is a good alternative but yeah didn't didn't see how it would fit into a Christmas dinner but could see how it would go alongside maybe your Christmas Eve or Boxing Day buffet yeah lunch alongside other things so the all important question is, we've taste, taste tested a lot of food um, this month. What are you going to go for for your Christmas dinner? Oh, my goodness. Well, <laughs> what a question. I guess it depends if you're going to be with family or not, because you're stuck in tier four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, our Christmas dinner is going to be a much lower key affair than it perhaps would have been. But if I had to reflect on all the things we've tested and things that I would actively go out and buy and have loved and will be indulging in over the festive period, for me, um, the Higgity roasted tomato quiche was fabulous. I loved the Wicked Kitchen, the chicken nuggets, no chicken nugget. Can't remember exactly what they're called. Sorry. Drumettes, I think they're called. Drumettes. Yeah. That's it. Um, those great to have in for buffet kind of snacking over Christmas I loved those um and I can always always make room for that Morrison's trifle my goodness <laughs> that was amazing <laughs> you got through it in the end then because they were huge we weren't they challenge accepted got through <laughs> Uh, yeah how I about will, you I will definitely be heading to Morrison's if they're not all sold out because I know today we've heard there's food shortages but hopefully, mm, I know. hopefully the vegan food is still going to be on the shelf <laughs> um, definitely going to get the trifle from Morrison's um, I am hoping to get the no turkey crown um, from Tesco the wicked kitchen one because I'm I can't stop thinking about those uh, faux turkey and pickle sandwiches <laughs> on Boxing delicious delicious <laughs> and yeah and also um one thing that we haven't reviewed yet which we must do in the new year is the new um vegan egg i think it's called cracked without so it's c-r-a-c-k apostrophe d um i don't know if you've seen it everyone's been going mad on the facebook groups uh it's it's apparently brilliant for making uh vegan yorkshire puddings rise because I've tried um, vegan Yorkshire puddings from a Gaz Oakley recipe quite a few times now, but they just don't rise. So apparently this mm. uh, egg replacement, I think you can get it in Marks and Spencers. Um, it's brilliant for getting a bit of height on your Yorkshires. So that's that's another thing to look out for. Yeah, we definitely need to try those. I had actually seen a lot of that during my uh, festive food research and um, it's got fabulous reviews and it, getting the vegan Yorkshire right or getting it at all is really difficult so exciting we'll definitely have to give it a try yeah 
Well, I hope you have a lovely Christmas, Gabriella, and to all our Me listeners, too. thank you so much for supporting us this year, and we really hope you'll join us in January. We'll be back on the 4th. Thank you, everyone. See you next year. Stay tuned to hear from Juliet Galatly, founder and director of vegan charity Viva. Hi, Juliet. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. So how did you come to set up Viva, the, the vegan charity? I, I think the story really goes back to me being an early teenager. Um, my mum said I used to sort of like fight for the underdog was her, was her phrase. And I was so determined to see what farmed animals went through myself that I actually managed to wangle my way inside one of the biggest factory farms in the UK back then which was actually used as a showcase internationally for different farmers. And it had the battery hens, you know, kept five to a cage then. Um, it also had pigs in this huge shed. Um, so they were pregnant sows and they were in these little metal barred stalls. And I was so, so horrified by what I saw that that were really the seeds of change. And I, my personality is such that when I set my mind to something, I really set my mind to something and I was just on a course to do something about it. And that determined which A-levels I did, which degree I did, which was zoology. And I specialised in ethology. That's the study of animals in the wild. But at the university I was at, the specialisation was um, farmed animals. So I just decided I was going to get a knowledge base to be able to do, you know, hopefully some good with it. And First, I couldn't get the job that I wanted. I got a job in animal rights in my early 20s. Sorry, I got a job in the media in my early 20s and then um, managed to get a job for an anti-vivisection organisation, which was back then in Harley Street in London. And then I moved to the Vegetarian Society, which was based in Altrincham up in Cheshire and worked there for quite a long time and um, basically set up all their youth campaigns then became head of their youth campaigns, then became their campaigns director. So I was doing all their adult and youth campaigning and then became its director. And I decided to leave to set up Viva, um, largely because the Vegetarian Society is very much more comfortable and geared towards um, food, basically, you know, promoting the food side of things. Whereas my heart lay in the campaigning side and I wanted to set up an organisation that would bang the drum loud and proud for farmed animals and actually say that the answer is going vegan not vegetarian um and so back then there was nobody believe it or not campaigning for veganism um obviously the vegan society existed but it's um very much an information body they certainly didn't campaign at all and i wanted to do something where I started off doing investigations. So pretty much nobody was doing those either of the actual farms themselves and showing people what was going on and to enable me to have the freedom to do all this and set up a much more dynamic campaigning type of organization. I had to start from scratch and set up something new. And that's what I did. That's incredible. I mean, to sort of, you know, make your way into a factory farm at such a young age as well, and then kind of that obviously influenced your whole life from there yeah yeah it was I went with an agricultural student actually from a university so it wasn't like I was breaking in or anything <laughs> um but it it did take a lot of determination to get to that point where I persuaded somebody to take me with them um, because they knew what my real agenda was you know because yeah. we actually were shown round bizarrely by an economist in effect and it was one of those really surreal situations where this guy was talking about the economics of factory farming um, and, you know, factoring in, you know, X thousand of deaths, you know, in the battery shed, for example, and talking like these animals, literally, I know we hear this a lot, but literally as they are seen as commodities and not as living, feeling um, beings with their own personalities and their own needs is just completely dis dismissed um, and it's amazing how people do develop this like you know we talk about a lot, lot more these days this cognitive dissonance where probably that economist went home to his dog and you know and, and said hello and thought that he loved that dog you know and, and, and in the daytime is completely disregarding animal welfare completely um, so yeah it did it did um influence 
definitely my decision to help farmed animals. And the other thing was just the sheer quantity of cruelty, you know, in our sphere. Animal agriculture is so gigantic. Obviously, there's lots of cruelty, sadly, in many different spheres. But I, I think I was influenced by the fact that I wanted to, you know, make a real dent in terms of the, the sheer numbers of animals that were being cruelly treated and killed. At the end of the day, these animals are killed, you know. Um, and then also, I think one of the things that attracted me for setting up Viva is the fact my I love consumer campaigning. So that's campaigning to the so-called ordinary or extraordinary people on the street, as opposed to political lobbying, which I find deeply frustrating. Um, and, you know, I find myself, you know, getting into trouble and telling myself off political campaigning because, in my opinion, <laughs> politicians who should know better, you know, are extraordinarily slow at pushing for change. And politicians are so many years behind public opinion. So I find it much more pleasurable to actually get people to change themselves. And with veganism, you know, you can influence individuals and empower them to change. And I find that a very attractive sort of proposition um so yeah also you know I'd, I'd sort of cut my teeth on doing school talks and you know, when you're talking to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of 14 to 16 year olds that's really empowering as well because they're so ready for change they just need the truth feeding to them um, and of course that's what lacks in society isn't it and yeah. kids really are very rarely told the truth yeah definitely they showed um, Cowspiracy at my daughter's school, uh, I think it was last year. And I, and I was quite surprised they showed it, actually, but I was really pleased. And a lot mm. of them went vegetarian after that. My daughter's vegan, but a lot of, yeah, a lot of her friends went vegetarian. So that was, that was a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And when I used to do school talks, we had a video made for, for GCSE groups, actually, um, which is, uh, you know, milder than Cowspiracy, obviously, because it was made for t- teachers fitting it into their curriculum but it did show factory farming quite clearly and just the response from 98 percent of students is that that's wrong why is it happening it can't be legal and you can see you know the cogs turning in their brain because nobody's ever really you know shown them that kind of footage before and talked to them about it and having a speaker there you kind of enable them to express their true views and sometimes when you're with a peer group that can be quite a difficult thing to do so if you hear about something that's say wrong like factory farming but your friends are not vegan or vegetarian or even on you know on that road it can be quite hard at a certain age to speak out you know there's a lot of peer pressure as as we all know especially 13 14 around that age group even though you're open-minded to change so having a speaker actually legitimizing real emotions and just compassion and kindness you know really taps into something for that age group They're they're so ready to change and you know when people say, you know, what would be a way of changing the world really quickly? I mean, obviously, the people these days think about things like lab meat as being one of the answers. But of course, another one is simply um, having part of the curriculum, just the truth of what actually happens to animals before they get on the plate. Yeah. And that would be enough for pretty much most kids. So is that something you still do as, as you know, the charity as a whole going to schools? Yeah, we do go into schools so that the... the the because there's so much pressure on teachers I have noticed a shift in terms of where you get invited into so we used to get invited into what was then known as like citizenship where you're looking at I suppose in in a nutshell being a good citizen and 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 being vegan was sort of part of that whole debate but it's like things are getting squeezed out because teachers are under so much pressure pressure to fit the curriculum in for those exams and we it tends to have been um sort of narrowed to just food technology a lot of the time so i have noticed that shift but yes we do certainly yeah so the, the other campaigns that you run i know um obviously campaigning against factory farming is at the core of um viva and you've you've got a new film out called hogwood is that right Yes, it's a documentary that's on Amazon Prime. Um, it's also on Apple and Google Play. But we've just heard, actually, that Netflix might be taking it after all. Okay. So we're just sort of waiting with bated breath for that as well. But um, most people are view- viewing it through Amazon Prime, as, you- as you'd expect. But it- that was an interesting story because we investigated a farm, a pig farm, that was 
being complained about by local people and we discovered it was a so-called mega farm so one of the larger ones in the UK and we then discovered it was supplying our biggest retailer Tesco and I have to say you know so this was 2017 by this point you know I'd investigated a lot of farms and it was one of the worst worst ones that I'd been into I'm giving complete complete disregard for these animals and I'm sure you know um what makes it even more poignant you know we'd rescued some pigs as well so I'd you know been privileged part of their um growing up from being just three and a half weeks old um their mum we named Hope and we named all the babies she had six babies and all all seven of them were rescued and they're such intelligent communicative loving loving family-based animals and then you see them the contrast in these you know excuse my language but shitholes and then, oh, my God, it's just very, very, very difficult. But this place, when I say disregard, I'm talking about ulcers that have gone through to the bone, animals that have been left dead with the, the living just left with them, you know, that literally turning grey in colour. They've been there so long. You know, that kind of complete and utter disregard for these animals' welfare. Mm. A very overcrowded, very dirty, animals dumped in gangways where they were starving to death, that kind of stuff. So I thought... I've been doing this long enough. Um, Tesco are just going to withdraw because this is really bad. You know, they're not going to want the bad PR from this. And one of the strangest things happened in a sense that more than any other farm we've exposed, this is the strange bit, how the whole industry clamoured around Hogwood to defend it. So the National Pig Association sent representatives to to um, a press event that we did outside the farm, which they don't usually do. The NFU defended it. Um, The government itself defended it. Tesco dug their heels in and completely defended it. And instead of actually dropping them, in fact, they all, as I say, rallied around. And I thought, goodness me, why are they doing this with this place? It's so bad. And the public, fortunately, because the media, I have to say, were very good. We got national exposés, big scale stuff, um, very supportive national media and of course the public were dead against it so you had your pretty much hardened meat eater saying oh my god I had no idea is this bad in Britain I always associated this with somewhere you know always yeah. another country never here um, and so it started to formulate in my mind that how do we get to the British public saying that a this is the norm it's a mega farm not some aberrant little place b it's supplying our biggest retailer plus the biggest uh, one of the biggest wholesalers, Cranswick, in the whole of Britain. Um, why are they doing this? People think that we can just stop these farms when they, we expose them. We need to explain that Viva does not have that power, sadly, um, and why that is the case. So it's almost like a conspiracy, you know, only it's, only it's a genuine real stuff going on here. Yeah. So we went back in 2018, but by this time they'd spent 50 odd thousand pounds on upping their security. So that was really difficult. But I had to call off the investigation because an animal was literally being cannibalized alive in front of us and bleeding. Um, so we called in vets. We, we called the police as well. Um, but we'd got in the footage to go back to Tesco and ask them to stop, you know, again. And again, they didn't do it. So we went back again in 2019. But this time we left hidden cameras. Um, and that was what, you know, did it really um, in terms of the PR was so bad because this time we got people, men actually hitting animals um, multiple times in different situations and so at that point, Tesco were like, OK, we can't wriggle our way out of this and say we, you know, by this time, this is the third time we'd been. Tesco could no longer say, well, we'll make them improve. We'll work with them, which is the line that they always use. Um, Red Tractor, who'd um, dug their heels in and completely supported Hogwood, again, were embarrassed and said, OK, we're dropping them. Cranswick, the biggest wholesaler, like I said, they dropped them and said they'd never deal with them ever again. And so finally, we got those results which I would have expected from the first investigation but I decided we should make a documentary about this and widen issues out about how factory farming is damaging our precious planet our fragile planet why that's the case get experts to talk you know to camera on that get a vet on why why do red tractor you know approve these places why do the vets comply so she was you know voted for best young vet of the year 
Um, so very unusual to get a peg, pig vet to speak out, but we got that. And also uh, we, got doc, we got Joseph Poor, who's at Oxford University, who's led the biggest study in environmental damage by farming. He went on and um, Josh Cullimore, who's doctor, a public health expert, who widened it to obviously public health you know, issues like this little pandemic we've been dealing yeah. with. <laughs> so Hogwood was widened out and we made this documentary, which has had an amazing impact on, um, oh God, I can remember when it first launched and having just, you know, us um, surrounded by just out and out meat eaters and they didn't know how hard hitting it was going to be. And literally, I'm not exaggerating, you know, that expression jaw dropping, they literally mm. were, you know, they're like, I just can't believe this is what you're saying is normal in the UK. This is outrageous. Yeah. So it had, yeah, people that watch it, it really does change and, one of my big aims with 21 is to, you know, really get people to watch and share this and realise its power that you can just one sitting for half an hour. You know, it's not a long documentary. It's a short documentary. It's just over 30 minutes. Just is enough to change pretty much anybody. Mm. I, I'm afraid to say I haven't watched it because I just I just don't think I could handle it. I mean, what would you say to vegans like myself who aren't brave enough to watch things like that? Well, I mean, I, you hear that, you know, I, to be honest, I felt the same about earthlings. I thought I'm already vegan. You know, I campaign. I don't need to watch it. But I actually think we do. I think we need to see what is going on and to and to feel it and to use it to energize yourself to campaign against it and to have that knowledge firsthand and talk about these issues and talk about the documentary um because it's much more powerful if you have watched it like when I watched Earthlings it is exceptionally powerful documentary and it took a while for that to take off but in the end through people like you know like yourself watching it and just talking about it and saying the power that it had on you people start to think oh I really should watch this it, it, you know everybody's talking about it and then they feel yeah. like they're missing out if they don't watch it and you, so you have to kind of watch it to create that kind of buzz around it and to and to encourage others to do the same I think it's empowering ultimately. I feel I think going away from documentary, that's what everybody so far who's watched it have said, yes, there are parts of it that are difficult, but I'm glad I watched it. It, it really strengthened my resolve and has made me truly understand yeah. what the world's about. That's a very good point. So is there a happy ending? Is Hod- Hogwood still going? Unfortunately, that is the thing. You know, Hogwood was dropped by all major retailers, of course, won't touch it with a barge pole. But it's exceptionally difficult to actually close down a farm and it almost never happens. And this is one of the issues we talk to the public about, because we don't have the power in the UK to go in and seize those animals, you know, or to close a farm down, of course. In fact, Viva Poland does have those powers, but it's still really hard to use them. You have to jump through loads of legal hoops before they, for example, we rescued some uh, mink in the cages that were being kept for fur at Viva Poland. Um, but we had to jump through a hell of a lot of hoops with the police before. And then the police accompanied us and we got some of those mink out and they're now um, in a, a sanctuary. Um, so in the UK, um, the RSPCA has certain powers, but I have to say, I don't know how popular me saying this is going to be, but, you know, we've called the RSPCA in. So, for example, the last investigation we did um, that I went in myself was Flathouse, which was just after lock- the main, the first lockdown. Um Uh, this year and that was really difficult and the RSPCA did turn up but I have to say they have done nothing about it and the RSPCA wrote to us and said we almost always pass farmed animal cases onto trading standards and trading standards did absolutely nothing about it and I can promise you you won't be able to believe it if you watch there's a video on the Viva website if you go to viva.org.uk then forward slash EFF as in standing for end factory farming EFF you'll get to this film with me confronting the owner of Flathouse Farm, which is unusual in itself. But um, again, it's another mega farm. It's even bigger than Hogwood. And um, you, you can't believe, even with all my experience, that these places are legal. You know, it's it's quite a difficult one to actually you know, really be able to swallow that anybody who's got any legal power has not helped these animals. Mm. Um, 
And so we took it to everybody that you could do, every authority that we could do to try and actually get something done about this place. And we are thinking about taking action further now. I can't actually say any more than that at the moment, but because it was so bad. But my point is, the answer is to change yourself and go vegan because all the authorities that have all the power basically rally around these places and they come out with this PR spin they know exactly how bad these places are. Red Tractor, for the first time about um, Flathouse, on any farm of Exposed, said publicly on Radio 4, we are embarrassed by Flathouse. They never use language like that. But the footage was that bad. But, you know, come on. This is, you know, like I said, PR spin. We first went in Flathouse in March 2020. Red Tractor approved it and went in in March 2020. <laughs> you know? So you're just thinking, gee, what, you know, what these authorities are prepared to say is OK. This is what the British public are trusting in with their food supply. And my God, you know, talk about lack of hygiene. There were feral cats running around that place and probably, you know, I don't know. We've heard figures 100, 200 feral cats. You know, they're eating little weak piglets that have just been born alive. The, the, the hygiene or lack of hygiene in this place you're thinking about pandemics and about viruses getting out there to the world which you know the the, the handing it to these viruses on a, on an absolute mm. sort of plate it is quite unbelievable it's like we've learned nothing as, as a society yeah it, but the hope i suppose is that when we do show this to people they genuinely are shocked they genuinely do want to change and people genuinely are inquiring about going vegan in numbers that we've never seen before at viva so that's what gives me hope is the fact that the power is all in your hands anyone listening to this the power is in your hands to change other people and for them to change themselves and change other people it really is up to us as individuals um i'll just say one more thing on that just you know on the hope thing individuals are changing to such a degree that it's only through people changing through having seen something whether it's viva that's put it out or somebody else something has caught their eye and it's them that have put the pressure on um you know multiple uh, retailers sort of national re- in and international retailers and restaurateurs who instead of the token gesture now do whole menus an industry starting to change its investments are starting to change the last thing to change will be government and intergovernmental cooperation. But the point that I'm getting at really is this whole sea change has all come from the individual. So never think you haven't got power because all of this change has become from us as individuals demanding it. Yeah, it's very true. Do you think do you think COVID's going to help the vegan cause? COVID has helped the vegan cause in as much as through the lockdown, more people were looking at vegan foods and buying vegan foods to the degree where on an individual level, I was actually finding it hard to get hold of my soya milk. I saw a meme once that, um, you know, vegans are the only people to ever be happy when you've, you know, their favourite pro- product yeah. sold out because it's like, yay, people are buying it. It's true. And the same is happening this Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed that. But even though the supermarkets have produced more ready-made Christmas choices than we've ever had, they've also been sold out on a scale that we've never seen. So it, it is things are definitely changing. And COVID, yes, it has been a spur in that I know it sounds a bit of a cliche now, but people genuinely, and I know this because of all the contact that we've had with people, when we launched the three and four campaign, we had to change strategies, you can imagine, really quickly. And we looked at, you know, the impact of wildlife markets and um, factory farming in terms of the spread of disease worldwide. Um, Bird flu being uh, an amazingly serious issue, which is, you know, spreading across Asia and beyond. beyond, And of course, there is versions of it right here in the UK right now. Uh, But anyway, um, that seemed to obviously wake people up to the, the potential of really disastrous outcomes if we continue to farm animals in the way that we do so we had a lot of traction with the three and four campaign i was doing podcasts for out and out political meat eating you know podcasts um which is unusual so people were were willing to listen to the other side if if you like more than normal and engage with us so we got huge huge traction we reached millions literally millions of people through that campaign and the videos that we put out which 
were like the origins of coronavirus and one was um a short video on the impact of factory farming and everything that i've just uh, you know just touched upon you know and that went viral literally within about two weeks and that's you know quite unusual um a lot of our investigations that you know they don't just go that wild and that viral they're showing animal cruelty you know so it's it's going to be unusual for everybody to want to watch it but with the three and four campaign um there was a lot of factory farming footage in there but it was more than that it was explaining how viruses spread through factory farms and the examples of mutated viruses that um, are potentially very problematic for the human race that actually exist right now so yes people are sort of opening their eyes and they're thinking about their children and their children's future and do they want one that's you know got even worse pandemics than covid because we got off very lightly with covid Mm, yeah I mean it certainly doesn't feel like that right now does it but uh, no it doesn't I mean you think what the mortality rate of COVID and how low it is and then you look at something like H5N1 which is one of the bird flu viruses and its mortality rate is over half 60% of the people that get it die (laughs) then you know I mean it's unthinkable what the outcome of that would be yeah yeah, my mum's my mum has chickens and she's had to sort of put them on lockdown. I just couldn't quite believe it. I thought, why is no one talking about this? The chickens are in lockdown now and no one's yeah. saying anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I agree. I agree. And it's it, it, it is. It's funny because when we launched the three and four campaign, which was really not that long after the first major lockdown happened, um, there was a lot of chat about it and, and it has it's it's gone very quiet and we've been trying to I've been trying to get commentary out through national newspapers recently and you know they've kind of shut down on that aspect of talking about it and so and you're right it's you know it's so huge and so important and I, I just think the media have kind of gone towards it's all vaccine news at the moment and they just want to see the light at the end of the tunnel and they don't want to hear about the, the possibilities you know that we could have another pandemic at some point because we ain't got it right yet you know yeah. so at the moment they've shut down on that argument but no doubt we'll you know be able to get them to start talking about it again once um once the vaccine's you know properly rolling out and all the rest of it yeah um because it's an issue that obviously is not going to go away. No. So you've got another campaign that relates to coronavirus, haven't you, which is Slash the Risk? Yeah, so we launched one that was later in the year, um, and we did billboards with this one as well, um, especially across the Midlands right down through to Bristol, where our headquarters are. And we did it was like a two-pronged campaign, Slash the Risk, because what we were saying was... Um, you can reduce your risk of severe COVID, not getting COVID full stop, but of the severe form of it and hospitalisation by going vegan, by going healthy vegan. And then we backed all that up with the science, obviously, and had a number of export experts um, sign up to that campaign. Very impressive uh, calibre of people, you know, like um, a specialist in newly emerging infectious diseases from London University through to a specialist in public health and so on and so on um and they signed up to it 15 of them and that was published you start off with them that being published in the sunday times and we went from we went from there so that was one part of the campaign was saying by changing yourself you can literally reduce your risks you know really substantially we're not promising you know the world with this we're saying reduce your risks literally hence the name of the campaign slash the yeah. risk and the other the problem of the campaign was what we've just been talking about. It's saying reduce the risk of pandemics by going vegan. And that was talking about, you know, factory farms and why they spread disease. So with bird flu, you've got wild birds migrating, factory farms that are like, you know, slap bang across the birds migratory routes. You know, we're sort of swallowing up all the wild land that, you know, was left where which they would have used. The viruses go from wild bird to to factory farm bird. What does a factory farm enable a virus to do? Well, obviously, to jump from bird to bird to bird to bird to bird. You know, you've got tens and tens and tens of thousands in one shed. And that gives the virus enormous opportunity to mutate. And then you've got the contact with people, direct contact with people. So that enables the virus to jump from bird to human. And because you're giving it so many chances in the mutation line, you know, you're upping the, um, sadly, the the, the um, risk of, like, for example, I said with H5N1, it's jumped now to human beings many hundreds of times. So that means that virus, on all separate incidences, I mean, it's managed to mutate enough 
to jump the species barrier from chicken to human. And when it jumps from chicken to human, it kills over half of its hosts. Mm. What it hasn't done is made the final mutations. And, you know, there aren't that many for it to make. I am told by virologists for it to go human to human and be able to spread and become infectious like other flu viruses. So I think for me, when I was um, researching this, my background is zoology, um, I, I found that probably one of the most scary and very likely scenarios as well. And there are other viruses swirling around the world, which of course we've heard of in terms of pigs being infected by a virus, which the film Contagion was based on actually, which we probably all watched at the start of lockdown. And yeah. <laughs> never was a film more um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> relevant. Um, well, that virus that the film was based on, you know, still exists and that is very deadly. So, yeah, again, what it hasn't done, although it has jumped from pig to human, again, it's not infectious or very infectious in terms of being able to spread human to human. But unfortunately, it's already made that jump. So yeah. there's a lot going on in the world and factory farming is right bang centre at the core. Um, that Nipah virus I was just talking about, that was caused by a factory farm of holding 30,000 pigs in Malaysia. So we're kind of paying the price for what we're doing to these creatures. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of karma going on, but like many people, I'm not exactly the first to say this, but you kind of felt like COVID was nature's wake up call to us and saying, okay, human race, I'm giving you a chance here. You know, the death rate for this is probably not going to go over 3.5% in any country. Uh, for a lot of countries, it's less than that. You know, this is a wake-up call. Um, you've got a chance to to change. Mm. Or <laughs> dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. Do you think there's, there is hope of us ending factory farming? Yes, I do, actually. I think the change will come really rapidly. You know, it's like that um, reaching a tipping point, which, again, I know a lot of people talk about, but there's, there are precedents for this throughout history where you just get to that point and it can be caused by multiple fact factors. Sadly, I think there are such huge issues feeding in to the need for the human race to become vegan or largely vegan, let's say, um, that there isn't going to be the choice for people to continue down the line that we are on factory farming. The governments already know this. I've been to conferences where I've had people from DEFRA speaking behind the scenes. They totally know the score they know the world has to go vegan mm. you know they're not even trying to argue it but just politically it, 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 we're not at the place where they feel that they can say this um so you've got the climate crisis free, feeding into it you've got the six, sixth mass extinction because um, animal agriculture is the pretty much the biggest cause of extinctions of wildlife as these issues become ever bigger and ever more serious um, and more and more people change themselves and there's more and more exposés of factory farming. So basically from a morality point of view, people just aren't accepting factory farming the way that they used to. Um, you know, we're going to get to the point where we haven't really got any cho choice other than to change. And at the same time, industry is aware of this. So they're pumping money in now to vegan alternatives, even the meat, or I should say, in some senses, in terms of the big boys, especially the meat industry, they're looking at investing in vegan foods. Um, so you've got lab meat is launching left, right and centre now. Um, they're going to produce lab laboratory produced everything, fish, chicken, all the common stuff. So it, I don't think it's going to be that long in the future before the KFCs and McDonald's of this world are using lab meat and that will save literally billions and billions of life. It doesn't particularly make it vegan for perhaps those of us who wouldn't touch it with a barge pole, but that's irrelevant yeah. in a sense. We're talking about, you know, whole scale change across the world. And I think yeah. things like that will feed into it. And as people become much more accepting that lab meat just becomes the norm, um, then they'll start eating other vegan foods anyway. And, and all those companies producing genuinely vegan food are, you know, you know are literally going to, you know, explode in terms of their popularity. So, yes, it, it is yeah. going to happen. And part of that change will be intergovernmental cooperation in terms of transitioning to veganic farming. Um, they know that they've got to do this and studies are already underway. In terms of food sustainability, feeding feeding your own nation, the, the trouble is with politicians, of course, as we all well know, is that they're very slow to change. Um, 
very slow. You know, even the most left wing is really slow to change in terms of what you think may be a bit more radical in terms of what they're pushing for, but but they're not. So it's, as I said, it's down to individuals to keep pushing industry um, and industry will push politicians and, and the whole thing will come tumbling down. Um, the question is, is how far the environment of course you know is damaged in this yeah. wait to getting to that point and um everybody's got their own opinions on that but um i think the change will happen in answer to your question i think the world will largely be vegan in a surprisingly short amount of time yeah yay <laughs> <laughs> well you are such a fountain of knowledge and such a force for change you really are inspirational um what what advice would you give to perhaps someone who's kind of flexitarian or, 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 you know, recently gone vegan and they kind of want to influence others? I'm thinking of, you know, myself here three years ago when I saw the light, I was sort of desperate to tell everyone what I learned. And I was met with quite a lot of, you know, criticism and um, sort of negative reactions. What advice would you give to anyone in that situation? I'd say, first of all, is like, congratulate yourself. You're allowed to do that sometimes. You've made the absolutely right decision. And if you're flexitarian, it's absolutely brilliant that you're on the right road. And, you know, you know, this is not about a whip sort of like thou must, thou must. you know, it, it's about rewarding yourself. So I'd say first and foremost, in terms of like, if you're flexitarian or you've just gone vegan, is use Viva's Vegan Recipe Club. Use your magazine um you know it's full of help and the reason i mentioned the vegan recipe club because there are hundreds and hundreds of recipes on there and it's a completely re free resource especially the phone app i found that the most inspirational thing and i've never claimed to be a brilliant cook but <laughs> i have you know i've got um twin sons and i have to say you know i had to I had to force myself to use it because i thought these poor boys i actually have to become better <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh you know and it was absolutely lifesaver for me in terms of um creating imaginative but really quick dishes so I think just the practicalities you know give yourself a break and look at something like that uh, the other thing about practicalities there are certain many towns and cities across the UK now that have um social media vegan clubs if you like so I'm just looking at moving for example and I went on to, it's just a relatively small town and there are about 750 vegans in this group just through Facebook alone so that I definitely recommend because there's a lot of social scene going on around that. And that sort of like bolsters you, bolsters you, you know, you're on the right side, as it were. Yeah. And everybody that you're meeting has been through what you've been through because everybody's met resistance. And the other thing is to remember, I think, well, what helps me personally is when you sort of meet somebody who's resisting you or, you know, taking, I don't know, Mickey taking approach or um whatever even hostility even anger remember what you how you would have reacted if somebody went up to you and sort of basically you know it depends on how you approach them but think about what would have worked with yourself because I think if we're honest with ourselves nobody really likes being told that they're not an inverted commas good enough person because yeah. they're still committing cruelty so it's quite a sensitive and delicate balance to get right. But I think it really helps to remember that you too were not born perfect and none of us are, you know, once we've gone vegan, we're by no means perfect either. No. So it's been realistic in terms of that and being human and humane and also remembering how many people are changing. One of, I'll just give you one really quick example of one of the most angry people I've ever met. I basically, her daughter, who's 15 at the time, credited me with having changed her to first going vegetarian, then vegan. And she changed like overnight to vegetarian. And her mum just went mental at me to the point <laughs> where she, you know, came up to me and her nose was almost in my face kind of thing, which, yeah. you know, doesn't happen that often in Britain. We're quite a reserved, you know, society. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and she was shouting, raising her voice and saying, how dare I influence her daughter? It's up to her what her daughter ate, not me, you know, and um, not crediting her daughter with her own mind at all. And I just stayed totally and utterly calm and just let her get it out of the system. And then just said to her, look, 
you said you're, you you really like wildlife. And she goes, what's that got to do with it? I said, well, you're really into Save the Elephant. What's that got to do with it? And I said, because the connection between what we eat and the death of wildlife is so intimate. Did you know the number one cause of wildlife loss is actually eating meat and dairy? And she looked at me like, a, you know, you could see the sort of the cogs turning and she was not quite sure because I touched on something she really did genuinely care about. Yeah. And, you know, then I talked about a daughter. I said, look, I know you're angry at the moment, but how amazing to have such a caring, loving daughter that actually just wants to help animals. You may not agree right now with the way she's going about it, but her aim is true, if you like, and her beliefs are true and she's passionate. And all I've done is given her some facts. I said, you know, she was already thinking this way and just stayed really, really calm and let her, and just talked to her about it. And literally within about a couple of weeks, the mum had gone vegetarian. (laughs) The point is that anger, I'm not scared of anger actually from people because it means they're engaging with you. I know that sounds a bit odd, but they're actually thinking about things. Anyone who shows passion, they're thinking about it. And we all put up opposite arguments that we don't even believe in just to just to test water sometimes the people that worry me are the dead-eyed people that show no flicker of anything and I found that when I went to Flathouse Farm the manager of that place was a woman and there was just like nothing there and just no emotion and that kind of ice cold response that does scare me actually (laughs) yeah I guess you have to be like that to work in a place like that don't you I mean (laughs) So, shall we finish on a, a positive note? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. This is our so this is our last podcast of 2020, and it's it's a year a lot of us might be pleased to see the back of. Um, <laughs> yeah. How will you be spending Christmas Day? What will you be eating? And are you going to have be with family or? I'm so glad that my son my sons went to university um, this year, which is a really odd year to start university with yeah. lectures being online and. Also, even being able to meet other students, you know, is challenging. Most of the clubs, the sports clubs that were not operating. So, you know, in some senses, I did feel very sorry for that, although they have still managed to seem to find their way around it and have a good time, I'll have to say. But anyway, (laughs) um, you know, it certainly wasn't a normal, you know, atmosphere to go into. So it's just really, really lovely to have, um, you know, my son's back and my family around me. So, yes, very family orientated Christmas. And one of my sons is doing the main meal, which is uh, I think he's gone for um, it's a chestnut mushroom and red wine pithivier which is a very simple dish, actually. But, you know, the chestnuts, the red wine, you know, it's all very rich and a lovely scent. It's very pretty, lovely scent piece, which is, you know, we buy the Just Roll Puff Pastry. makes it really easy Um, with the classic, you know, roast basically all your roast potatoes and all the vegetables that go with it we love all that yeah um with a nice rich gravy so we're going for that um and we haven't quite decided who's doing the desserts and who's doing the starters yet so I, I was looking at the vegan recipe club and there's loads of new desserts up there that look very pretty so I'm going for something that looks exceptionally pretty but it's easy because as, as you've probably gathered by now, you know, I don't pretend to be this um, incredible <laughs> cook, but I, I can be competent given a good given a good recipe. Following instructions. <laughs> I must say that website is fantastic. There are just so many recipes on there and, you know, a lot of them are so easy. So it's a really good um it's a really good what's the word yeah and something we did actually during covid uh marianne um who runs the recipe club she's so good because we got we got her to do um a student um guide but also um a budget guide because one of the myths as you well know that comes up is that veganism is somehow cliquey or more expensive which is so not true yeah so we did a budget guide but if you go on um the vegan recipe club of course you can filter under things like that and that's you know you can filter under christmas obviously but um it just makes it a pleasure to use so yeah Yeah. it, it is it is good well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I could literally talk to you all night, but um, <laughs> I better. Oh, it's been really nice talking to you too. And um, thanks for everything you do too, because you're inspirational. And, um, you know, I've, you know, been reading your magazine since it, since it launched. And so 
Oh, thank, thank you. you so much, Julia. Well, thank you for all the work that you do for the animals and um, and everything else. And um, we'll hopefully speak to you again, perhaps next year. Yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we can look back on those strange that strange yeah. year, that COVID year. What was that like? <laughs> and it'll be a distant memory. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, like you say, it's the turning point for a lot of change, which will be amazing. Yes, exactly, exactly. I think that's what we have to do now is just use it as a force for change and um, campaign with all our hearts. And the other thing is we've got each other now, haven't we? There's so many of us that believe in this, so yeah. we can all spur each other on. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 